As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, and I am sitting mere inches away from Ari Wasserman. Ari, how you doing? This is exactly what I was hoping this whole work summit would turn into. Just uh, We're trying to figure out how to record a podcast in the same room at the same time together for the first time in, what, like three years? And uh, it was about 35 minutes of prep, and it turned out that the solution was that we sit uh, with our legs touching. So uh, here we go, and... You know, forgive us if there is a little uh, lack in sound quality this week. We did our best, but I think it'll be pretty good. Our producer John Hayes is a miracle worker. Miracle worker. Uh, sorry, I started. Can't to say, fix that. Started to say miracle whip because I'm hungry. Uh, <laughs> so he'll make, he'll make it sound good. I think it'll be okay. But yeah, this is the first time. This this is the first, I, so uh, you got married. The guy got married. Uh, I saw you in in uh, where were we? Newport Beach, California, on. Saturday, and that was the first time since I think like April or May of 2020 that I actually saw you in person. And this is the first time we've done a podcast in the same room together since I think like February of 2020, like right right before the old uh, the old pandemic started. Yeah, yeah. So uh, feels good to be back. Feels good to be in your presence. Uh, feels good to to hug you. Um, appreciated your presence at the wedding. I appreciate your presence here and. We're going to really, really, uh, you know, we're going to get some Spinato's Pizza, my favorite pizza place in 
in Phoenix uh, this week. We're going to have some time. Maybe we'll hit the pool, tarps off. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, it's a really, really good uh, feeling to be back and, and to record a podcast with my favorite host. Yeah, it feels right. It feels right. Um, congratulations, by the way. On getting oh, married. thank you, buddy. I appreciate lo- it. It was a lovely, lovely ceremony. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about it at the end because there was a, there was an unexpected special guest at your wedding too, which uh, felt felt very apropos that I think we need to need to mention on the tail end of the podcast. But uh, I think the people would like us to talk about the Bucks just a little bit. Uh, maybe maybe a short episode than we normally do, but uh, a little bit of news actually happened while we were out here in Phoenix uh, on Wednesday afternoon, uh, closer to Wednesday morning our time. Ohio State picked up a commitment from four-star offensive lineman Austin Saraveld from Lakota East High School, the number 351 overall prospect in the country, which, Ari, I don't know what that does for you and your – what else should I call it? Cons- is it concern? Is concern the right word about how you feel about Ohio State's recruiting class? No, I'm the lookout guy at a bank robbery. <laughs> like, if the bank robbery goes well, then, you know, my concern that somebody might see you is for nothing. Uh but I'm on alert. Yeah, I I get it. I get it. And yeah, I get it. They still don't have they don't still don't have a five star prospect. They have one top 100 player. Maybe they have two now. Two the, now. The tie lock would climb up the rankings. Yeah, it's a number of 100. Yeah. Okay. So they have two top 100 players. Um, I'm 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 fine. I'm okay with it. It's what is the class rank in the country? Their number six overall average player rating has not been calculated yet, has it? It's not updated yet because uh, because they Sarah just Bell's got one. Okay, yeah. so but we're we're looking at a Penn State class here right now, and if you go look at Notre Dame's class, they have an Ohio State class. <laughs> so it's a really weird world we're in. But I did see a bunch of crystal balls for Brandon Ennis. You know, I, I do think that there yeah. is some rumbling that they're, you know, in the in the mix for some major talent to come in here. But I do think that we're getting dangerously close, and this is what I said the last time, to getting to the point where Ohio State can no longer take players who are rated outside of the top 200. You mean the, for the rest of their class? For the not, rest of their not, class. Not as a matter of principle for the rest of their No, no, I mean, like, if they're going to sign a top three class or a top four class that hits that bar that they should be in, which is... Dance on the same dance floor as as Georgia, Alabama, and now I guess Texas A and M's in that mix. Clemson, they they're getting close to now. It's just like there's no more benefit of the doubt. They need to go get the the bona fide studs because, you know, the the whole interesting thing with recruiting is, and it, I think guess we talked a little bit about this as it pertains to Brian Hartline, but it's how much credit does the staff get from an evaluation standpoint, and how far does your leash go when you say, you know what. He might not be ranked where he should be, or he might not have the correct ranking. I guess I'll call this the, the Cam Martinez leash. Like, how far do you go with that before you go, okay, there needs to be some bona fide top-end talent in this class? before. Like, what, like, you're not concerned. I guess I'm not concerned. I'm on the lookout. I don't know if you're even on the lookout. But when do you start going, oh, oh shit, like, this is getting to be not what they should be doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the lookout for sure. Um it's just that like like June has become so important for Ohio State. That's when they do their big official visit weekends, and that's what they're going to do again this year. And they're not the only program that does that, but that's when they seem to really do a lot of legwork um, and putting their class together. So, and, and I think that's going to remain the case here. So I'm just kind of waiting for that before I like even come close to freaking out. But I think it is fair to be to be on the lookout because they typically have more than one or two. But spots are spots. Like spots are yeah, being but, eaten up right now. Well, they have ten. I still think they're going to they're going to sign. I don't know, 23, I would guess, at least that many. Um, so if, like, half their half their class is top 100 guys, 
which is like I'm not saying it's going to be easy to do, but like half their class being top 100 guys is about typically what it is. Um, it's just that maybe to this point they have more of those guys than they have at the moment. But to to your question on like how long or like how much benefit of the doubt I guess you want to give them when it comes to like landing these guys who are ranked like you know in the 300s or the 400s, and and certainly Ohio State has had some tremendous evaluations of those kind of players in the past. I think it's situational. Like in the in the case of Saraveld, right? Like Ohio State had up to this point and basically like under Greg Studrawa, I don't think had done like a tremendously good job of recruiting offensive linemen in the state of Ohio. And this year they got the three best ones. And like granted only one of them was a top 100 player. Like Joshua Padilla is like top 150. Austin Saraveld is 351 right now. Um, he could rise a little bit. I don't know. But but I also think like those are the kind of guys that they had been missing out on the past. That, that and, and I think it's a good thing that they get them. And I know I, I wasn't at Austin Saraveld's announcement ceremony because I'm here in Phoenix with my best friend in the whole wide world. Um, but Wait. I know, but I know that he said there at, at that, at that thing that the last time Ohio state won a national championship, its entire offensive line was guys from Ohio. So I, can, I think that position is a little bit different. Um, so like, I, I kind of like that, that commitment. I think he's going to be a good player. I think he's, he's of the three guys I have committed now. I think he's like the most ready to show up and play right away. Because we, we know he's an interior guy, he's pretty well put together. I think he, he he has the tools to to be a pretty solid college lineman. But if it was like everyone in their class was that, of course you panic about it. But they're not they're not there yet. And, and like you said, you know, Brent, there's there's I don't know how much stock you like when Steve Wolfon puts in a crystal ball, like my, like my antennas go up, and he put in one for Brandon Innes. Um, I believe he put in one for Noah Rogers, who's like another like borderline top fifty receiver, which is awesome. But like that's also like Brian Hartline doing Brian Hartline stuff. When we're talking about this class, like taking the jump that it needs to take, it's like we've seen before classes that that are kind of like held up by Brian Hartline's receiver recruiting, and they they need to avoid that again. So if it's like everywhere across the board, other than receiver, you're like, oh man, I don't know if this is good enough. Then like that, then the class isn't good enough. But if it's like Brandon Ennis and it's Noah Rogers, um, there's other crystal balls that came in for like Tackett Curtis, who's a who's a top sixty linebacker. Um, uh, there's one for uh, what's his name, John. Walker, defensive tackle from Florida, who's a top 100 prospect. So, like, there there are guys out there that I think they've positioned themselves well for that are of the top 100, top 150, or, or even better, like, five-star variety that, like, they have the clothes on for sure. But I'm not sitting here on May 4th, a month ahead of when all those big-time official visits are going to happen in June, thinking to myself, like, oh, man, I think Ohio State's in trouble. But as I said the last time we talked about this, it's like there, there's, it feels like there's more pressure on them to hit home runs in June maybe than there has been in the past. Yeah, and you put yourself in a position where if you want to get to that point, it's just like you don't – if you have a, a pot that at the end of the road ends up with 10 top 100 players and then the class that Ohio State's put together already is the bottom half, then you live with that, you want that. It's just harder to look at when the bottom half is completely assembled first. Like I think maybe there's something to it because it seems like to me that in the past, and maybe this is just memory, I don't know, but it seems like Ohio State has hit more home runs earlier in the assembly of their classes in the past uh, than they are right now. And the necessity or the feel that they have to do it now instead of it happening you know, naturally early seems to be pressure that never really necessarily existed. And maybe I'm manufacturing it on my own. But I have a certain expectation for where Ohio State should be recruiting. And 
it's all math, you know. And if you like go back and do what we do on this podcast and take every single player in the class and go, well, this guy fills this need, and this guy is the type of guy that Greg Studraro would have missed on, and this guy um, goes to a really good high school pro. Like, I mean, I think you can rationalize every single player that's in Ohio State's class as a worthy take, and I'm not saying that they aren't. But I'm looking at this from a, just a general math standpoint and, you know, where these players cut off in the rankings and where the classes that win national championships usually rank. And Ohio State right now, as it currently is assembled, is nowhere near that caliber. And then you're looking at another Midwest program like Notre Dame, who has a former Ohio State football player as their head coach uh, with five top 100 players. And it's just kind of like it should be flipped now. Again, we're in May, and you know it's the first year of Marcus. I'm not saying Ohio State fans need to be jealous of Notre Dame. Don't take it that way. I'm just saying the way that their class is made up right now is usually the way that Ohio State's class looks in May to me. I think that's fair. Um, I think my, my overwhelming thought on the class at the moment, and you kind of just said it there, is that there's not really anyone in this class at the moment that I would consider an early reach. Um, the only one that was like mildly surprising was Will Smith because he's like a three-star Ohio kid who they took very early and, and they don't typically take kids like that as early as they did, but he's also an Ohio state legacy. So that, that kind of complicates things there, but outside of him, everyone else in the class is a four-star prospect. Um, I think the majority of them are between like 100 and 250. They're all guys that I think can play at Ohio state. And, and, and I believe I might've said this the last time we kind of went down this road, I look at the group that's currently assembled as as a higher floor than Ohio State typically has in this class, but obviously that is contingent on them finishing the job the way that we expect them to, which is to say they need to land about 10 top 100 players between now and next December. And, and honestly, I, I, they seem like they're positioned well enough to do that. So again, I'm not concerned about it, but I, I think maybe there are some Ohio State fans who like are, are – wanting to see a bigger boom maybe than landing a guy from the state of Ohio who's ranked 351 in the country. So, like, yeah. I, I understand that. It'll get, it'll get entertaining, too, in June when you have weekends where there's 12 or 15 top 100 players on campus all at once. And however they – I mean, they they – I'm not – you know, maybe I kind of feel like a little bit of an asshole because Ohio State should have some more built-up equity with the way they've recruited the last five years and I'm giving them. They, I mean, they do for me. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I just spotted this class – because of the way that Ohio is made up and the way things are going from a mile away. And like the way I envisioned it could be a problem for Ohio state seems to be happening. And I don't know if I'm just high alert because my theory or if it's actually warranted, but I just want to see some guys that are like bona fide NFL draft picks come in and guys that are going to make Ohio state continue to reach the bar that they've set for immense talent that they've always had on their team. Yeah, I think I think it's probably a, maybe like a healthy bit of skepticism is okay here because you're like the 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 scenario we laid out whatever that was however many months ago when when somebody like uh, gave us a one star review on the podcast and bet us that Ohio State was going to have a top five class um, and if we were right they would make if we were if they were wrong it was outside of top five they would give us a five star uh, rating again on, on Apple uh, which I appreciated um, I think if you were to like lay out a plan for how that might happen, like the, the the concerning scenario at the time that you were kind of expounding upon, I think it would kind of look like this, right? Um, this is literally what I was saying. Yeah, but I don't – I just think for whatever reason 
there's like a there's like a, a different kind of build to this group. And like I don't know if that's like navigating the NIL stuff, if like the way you attract talent is a little different now, or you're wading through some different things. But but it, it does it does feel different because if you look at the way the past classes have come together, it's been it's it's not quite been this. Now part of that too is that Ohio usually has one, two, or three five star prospects that that make you feel a little better, and and Ohio doesn't have that this year, so that's part of it too. But I, again, I, I just don't I, I don't find it overly concerning, or really really concerning at all, that Ohio State is where it is right now because I just. I just think when the dust settles and, and they're signing this class in December, there's going to be at least you know top or at least double digit top 100 players and a few five star prospects mixed in like there always are. Yep. Okay. Well, I do think that healthy skepticism is just good for an entertaining podcast. So if nothing else, I get some ent- entertainment value. Um, and if I'm wrong, and I don't know that I'm necessarily predicting it, I'm just putting people on alert, which I think is fine. Like I, I, I don't know. Um, if this podcast would be good if we were just like, eh, it's fine all the time. And maybe mm-hmm. 95% of the time, because this is Ohio State, actually is fine. But if you've been following the program closely, it hasn't all been fine in the last you know year. So I'm well, they're, very- they're in interesting spots with it because because like we're the, the standard to which they're expected to recruit doesn't change. Recruiting is very different now than it was even a year ago. Um, and they have a lot of new assistant coaches on staff that we're not like totally sure what to make of them. Like we don't like Justin Fry has three guys in state. Awesome, good job. You need to lock down your backyard. Is he going to go out and like? There's, I think they still need a tackle. They might need two tackles in this class. Like the, all three of these guys might be interior players. Two of them definitely are, and Luke Montgomery might might be as well. Um, I still think they need tackles and, and perhaps two. And if they're going to get them, and, and like not just like you know, no offense, not not what they did in 2020 when they went out and got a bunch of guys who were like hardly ranked and hope that they would pan out and some of them have some of them haven't like that that's not the world that Ohio State needs to live in with that position they live in that world for too long it needs to be better so like there's a little bit of a spotlight on Justin Fry I think like can you get Chase Bazantis can you get Samson Okanola can you get Monroe Freeling um you know a top 100 kind of guy who you know is an offensive tackle can Perry Liano like pull off what would be a major major steal in getting Caleb Downs out of Georgia um is Jim Knowles going to get Tacka Curtis out of the state of Louisiana, who's a top 100 linebacker? Like, and I think I think the answer to all three of those questions, I suppose, like could very well be yes. But it's just kind of fascinating to follow now in a world where this class is coming together a little differently, and recruiting is like significantly different than it was a year ago. Same expectations, right? You had an abnormal year for Ohio State in the way that things went, right? NIL is changing things. Transfer rules are changing things. They have a completely new staff. They have a head coach who is probably burning inside to beat Michigan and get back to the playoff. Um, the state of Ohio is weaker than it's always than it, it typically is um, from a top-heavy standpoint. Um, national recruiting is a little bit more challenging because, as we've mentioned on this podcast before, there are uh, more um, harder obstacles to overcome in terms of the statures of the head coaches that are in those territories that Ohio State is typically recruited. There are a lot of different things that are at stake here from an from an evolution standpoint, both in the sport and within the program, um, coinciding in a year where Ohio doesn't have a, a, a C.J. Hicks line around. Right. And I and I just I wonder how that's all going to pan out. And if at the end of the road, um, Ohio State ends up with a top three class and 11 top 100 players and Brandon Ennis and some of the names you just mentioned, 
mentioned and you know hijacks Michigan's pipeline to get the first five-star prospect out of Massachusetts in the history of the world then great then we'll sit there and we'll have a conversation about it but as we sit here on May 8th or May 4th excuse me looking at 10 commitments and only two top 100 players one of which is a tight end I think it's completely and utterly rational to outline concerns and to be the lookout guy for oh my god is this going the right way yeah 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 you can I'm not doing that, but you could do that if you wanted to. I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. For, I'll do it for the brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm. All, I mean, my my name's always the one that everybody always is is negging us in the reviews for anyway, right? So I might as well be the heel. One star Ferrari. Love you though, Bill. I gotta stop making new accounts to to post <laughs> yeah. those kind of reviews uh, in in the Apple page. Um, yeah, so I, I, it's it's going to be a fascinating couple months. Uh, so yeah. the one thing I wanted to say and. Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, I did get married last week and have admittedly been out of pocket uh, for a little bit of the last you know ten days. But your NIL story did go up, and I know that you're not a huge fan of talking about NIL, but I want to read this that I and I haven't read it yet, but I want to know what your takeaway was from your reporting and if there is any insight that you can give, like just talking to me even about where Ohio State stands in that arms race. Yeah, so there's there's two collectives, I guess is, is what we're calling them. Um, the one that I think a lot of people are familiar with is the one started by Brian Schottenstein and, and Cardell Jones, the foundation that's been around for, I don't know, at least a month, probably probably two, two and a half, close to three months by this point. Um, and then a newer one that kind of came up around the spring game called Cohesion Foundation um, that was found up by Gary Marcinek, who's a former Ohio State walk-on. He's like a financial planner in Columbus. Um, just like people who are involved around Ohio State athletics who don't want to see Ohio State totally fall behind in this kind of new collective space. I, I, th- I think with all this, like there's a mis- there's a bit of a misconception with Ohio State. Like as far as Ohio State is concerned, like and, and NIL is concerned, Ohio State I think is doing a really good job in terms of the amount of money and opportunities that the players who are currently at Ohio State are are getting. It's probably better than most. Um, it's just not in this world where recruits are getting guaranteed millions of dollars or or you know tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars that you're seeing that you know allegedly places like uh, Tennessee or Texas A&M I think is is another one um I I just don't think Ohio State's going to play that game to that extent and nor really do I think it has to um but it also doesn't want to be totally sidelined so these two collectives are are kind of trying to thread that needle a little bit um, you know, Gary Marsnick from the Cohesion Foundation, who I talked to, you know, was didn't like sugarcoat it. He said like they're gearing up for the 2023 recruiting class. They want players who are considering Ohio State in the 2023 recruiting class to know that there is going to be an opportunity for them. Like like the money amount for that, I have no idea. Um, I, I asked him like, remember the there was one of like Texas was like we're going to pay every offensive lineman fifty thousand dollars. I think it was called like Horns for Hearts or something. And I said, is this is your idea something similar to not not necessarily the dollar amount, but you want people who come to Ohio State know you're going to get X amount of money to be part of Cohesion Foundation, which pays athletes to do um, basically like public relations or, or appearances and, and create awareness for charities. And he said yes. So um, I think they're just trying to maintain some kind of position in that race. Now, it's changing, right? There were like there was news this week that like the NCAA is going to start looking into this stuff because the one thing – it, it gets tricky, right? Because you're talking about like potentially. It sounds like you're talking about like capping how much money that someone could make, and I don't really think that's the the conversation. Although maybe it is. Like, 
a lot of these organizations are run by boosters and boosters like by the letter of the law are not allowed to have this kind of interaction with recruits and i think that's where the gray area is and i think that's what ohio state is concerned about it's not it's not the amount of money i think maybe it's where it's coming from um, and who's involved with it so I just don't know that Ohio isn't Brian Schottenstein one of Ohio State's biggest boosters. Yes, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, um, so I don't know. Like, there's there, there's just a, I think there's a little bit of trepidation there because clearly it, it doesn't it doesn't take much to consider a lot of these things as inducements, um, pay for play, and I think Ohio State and the people around Ohio State are like, are a little are a little leery of going too far down that road should the hammer ever come down. And maybe you don't think the hammer is ever going to come down. I don't, but yeah. maybe maybe it won't. Like who knows? Like the NCAA, I don't know what they're going to do about this. But even here, like Greg, like Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, who is the most influential person in college football, would you say? Yeah. Like even he's saying this stuff. Like if and and, and if you look at like the like Alabama is not doing what Tennessee's doing. Uh, Ohio State's not. Doesn't appear to like Clemson is. I don't think Georgia is. Like they're they're in the game, but they're not doing it to this extent where guys who are still in high school are getting promised millions of dollars if they go to a certain school because that's the kind of thing that gets you like dinged in a major way if anyone ever decided to bring the hammer. I down. also just don't know how you could ever possibly prove intent. Like, yeah, everybody yeah. might know it. Yeah. You know, hey, yeah. you know, you give me a hundred grand. I come over to your house and uh, we uh, do card breaks together. You know, I, right. I, I would want to do that anyway. You know, like how yeah. do you ever? I mean, you, maybe somebody does take the money, but you can't tell me that the the five star prospect that is a very hard name to pronounce that went to Tennessee supposedly, you, he could say I'd go to Tennessee if NIL didn't exist. How can you prove what his intent is? So, like, I mean, and the hardest thing too is, and, and it's just bringing this back to an Ohio State discussion, Bill, is that. There are a lot of headlines right now in the world of NIL and in recruiting and transferring about big moves being made. Mm-hmm. Xavier Worthy, uh, the young, outstanding, former Michigan commit receiver that used that had an awesome freshman year, apparently was considering entering the portal because somebody got into his ear about an NIL offer. You've got the, the pit he's receiver. Texas, right? Yeah, he's at yeah. Texas. The pit receiver who – Jordan Addison. Uh, Jordan Addison, who's supposedly hanging out in the portal right now. Was he hanging out with Bryce Young over at Surf and Sand at my wedding? <laughs> oh, I, I blew it. <laughs> um, Spoiler alert. Uh, um, but he also was, you know, getting, you know, some buzz to USC. And Ohio State doesn't seem to be in the mix for any of this stuff. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, if that's concerning, if people feel left out. But, like, there's no Ohio State. It's like Ohio State was, like, the first – program that was like in the thick of it when Quinn Ewers left high school early to go get paid but that wasn't an Ohio State sponsored activity and I wonder if fans are getting kind of what's the word I'm looking for uh you know I think there's frustration with it yeah 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 I I think I think that there's an element of this that I just don't know I don't I don't know what the right answer is like on one hand, I do not think Ohio State is behind in general in name, image, and likeness. There are plenty of opportunities at Ohio State, like a, a ridiculous amount of opportunities at Ohio State, and like C.J. Stroud is probably doing all right for <laughs> doing all right for himself. And if like C.J. Stroud can express that, the guys who come on campus for visits, like I think Ohio State's fine. But on the other hand, you're right; like they're not they're not involved in these same kind of conversations. Like it's it's in I think football and some basketball, like the guy Ohio State basketball was involved with with Nigel Pack, the transfer from Kansas State, 
frankly, for a moment, looked like they were going to get him. And then all of a sudden, they switched to Miami. And then there's an announcement from, like, Miami boosters that he got, like, $400,000. It's just like, Ohio State's not going to do that. But I do think that there is a major difference between I'm C.J. Stroud and I'm doing really great for myself. Come to Ohio State, do things the right way, and you'll get your opportunity. And here is $400,000. There's a huge difference between that. But I'm, what I'm saying is uh, one, one thing I feel pretty certain in is, like, Ohio State is not going to live in that world. Um, for now, anyway. Maybe that changes because they they have no other choice but to do that. And I also don't think like Alabama's living in that world. Um, I think certain programs don't have to. Um, other programs are, are frankly a little more desperate to get good players and win more games than they've won um, than Ohio State is or probably should be. Not and that's no. I'm not saying that to disparage players. Like go get your bag by all means. Make as much money as possible. That I sounds like, all, a, like you kick Tennessee in the balls there a little bit. I think what Tennessee's doing is borderline insane, but congrats to those kids because I think they should milk those places. They're willing to give that money for every dime they're worth. Um, I I just don't think Ohio State's going to do it, and I, frankly, I don't know if they should. And I don't know, like, and I don't know if you're a fan if you should if you should want Ohio State to. And I'm not saying because like it's it's bad or like it's not like a moral compass kind of thing. I'd be a little nervous about what this like what what parameters are going to be in place, and if you might get like retroactively penalized for some of this stuff on the back. And maybe that's like me being scared of something that's never going to happen, but like I'd be a little afraid of it. Like you have boosters give a player $8 million to come to your program. And then a year down the line, someone in power decides like, you know what, you're not able to do that. And then you retroactively get like, I don't know, postseason bans and scholarship productions. And then you're screwed because you, you, you took this to the greatest extremes possible because in the moment there was no one telling you what the guardrails were. Yeah, that's literally the game. That's college football in every aspect yeah. of it, financial or not. Yeah. Oh, here's a rule. Oh, there's a gray area. Now let's go pound the gray area. Yeah. So, again, I don't even know. The thing is, is like I just don't know how the NCAA can impose anything from a, from a penalizing standpoint that is going to continue to cap or change how much people are making. And it might not be a law about making, but if the rule in turn turns out to cause less money to go out, then a person will have a lawsuit that says you have instituted a arbitrary rule in amateur sports that has in turn took money out of my pocket, and they will win that lawsuit. Yeah. So I, I just don't, I don't know I, I just don't know what the what the plan is. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean it's above. My, it's like it's above it, my you know it's you know what's yeah. crazy too here, Bill though, is that they. They changed too many rules all at the same time, stuff, too. So if you, you change all these rules at the same time, and you've got gray area about transfer, what about tampering? Well, that's is what, that a, like that's a secondary rule, right? It's a rule, but it's not like, but like, who is calling up Xavier Worthy and offering him an NIL deal, and how is that possible? Possibly allowed, but at the same time, if it isn't allowed, which it isn't, um. How can you possibly say, you know what, you can't tamper with Xavier Worthy, then Xavier Worthy then all of a sudden has a case that says, hey, the NCAA is instituting rules that are stopping me from making more money, which is unconstitutional. So it just, it, it's just like a really hard thing to try to wrap your head around. Yeah. And maybe I'm full of shit. Like I'm not, I'm not some expert in this, but I do think I've been reading enough about this to feel like it's an untenable situation. And I, and I didn't want to... To, to drag our entire podcast down into an NIL debate. I know that's not your favorite thing to talk about, but I do think it's an important thing to discuss on the heels of what Ohio State's doing in 23 because I think that there is an aspect of this of just like, is Ohio State not going to sign a top five class? Not just because of all the things you just outlined from um, the, the normal recruiting analysis that we do, but also is NIL a thing? 
Yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's 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 certainly a thing, and, I, and honestly, like, I, I've been thinking a lot about it because I think when when the twenty two class signed, I think both of us were, were probably, or at least I feel like I was like very dismissive of the impact of name, image, and likeness, um, and and that the the impact that that had on how these classes come together, uh, which was pretty naive at the time, um, but on, on the same token, like I don't, I don't, I don't think Ohio State needs to look at, you know. Again, Tennessee doing what it's doing, I think like, oh, we need to operate that way. I just don't. I just. Don't, I don't think that's. I don't think that's the case. You can't do nothing. You can't do nothing. And, and these two um, collectives that have sprung up around the football program that I talked to for the story that ran last week aren't are ensuring that that Ohio State's not doing nothing. But um, I don't think. I don't think you can let the most extreme operators kind of like set the precedent. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bill, you are a five-star picker position. Offensive tackle? What, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> you're, an, you're a five-star offensive tackle at Philadelphia Roman Catholic High School. That's right. You had the same upbringing that you had. Nothing changes. Good family. Not rich, not poor, right? And Tennessee offers you $300,000 to come to Tennessee or Ohio State does it the way that you you think that they are doing it right now, which is not ignoring it, but not participating in that space. And you have to make a decision. Where are you going? How much money, I guess, let me rephrase it before you answer. How much money does it take to make Bill Landis go, you know what? Ohio State is better in every regard, but the money is more important. Like, what's the dollar figure of going to Ohio State worth? I, I, I don't. I don't think like me as an impressionable eighteen-year-old. I, I don't. I don't think that number has to be exorbitantly high to catch my attention. Um, I think part of the 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 math there is like, okay, you can give me four hundred thousand dollars over four years while I'm eighteen years old. That's a lot of that's a lot of money. Like it's not. I'm not. It's more money than I've ever seen in my lifetime. Never will. Um, that's not true. Maybe not. Physically seen with my own two eyes is probably oh, true. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess I probably make, would. Yeah, I would hope to make more than that over the course of my yeah, life. Yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're, clearly, you've um, already made that much in your lifetime. Yeah. But like, 
I don't know. I guess it's easy for me to say because it's a hypothetical. Like to me, the ability to get developed in a way where I get to the NFL and like get my second NFL contract, like generational wealth. I don't know. I, I I guess I would like to think that I would take the longer term view, but I understand that it's hard to do that when there's I dollar know, signs. No, but in your people eyes. from Tennessee also get drafted. Do they? <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, go look at the first round dra- of the draft and r- name out all the colleges. I'm working on this thing um, about j- just five star prospects and which team, which programs do the best job of turning their five star prospects into first round draft picks because that's the expectation I think with guys who are, who are five star prospects, right? Um, some of these teams are really bad at it, like terrible at it. Texas U- is really bad at it. Right? USC. I'm going to swear. USC is fucking awful. They've had 12 five-star prospects in the last five draft-eligible draft class. Not a single one of them has been a first-round draft pick. Only four of them have been drafted. Well, did you see the Texas stat? No, it wasn't. Antonio Morales, uh, our USC beat writer, sent it to me. And I don't know if you've done Texas yet on your edition here. It doesn't look like you have. Oh, you have? And this is an offensive stat, so it's not all of it. I think Texas has only had... Hasn't had a first, has had one or zero first round draft picks on the offensive side of the football since 2006. Tennessee hasn't had a first round draft pick since Derek Barnett in 2017. Um, like they get guys to the league. Yeah. Like there's, I'm looking through this list, like who's actually good. Alvin Kamara is good. Um, I would go to Eastern Michigan for a million dollars if I was a five star athlete. Yeah. I just, I just don't, I, I get it. I, I, hundred percent. I get it. Bird in the hand, bud. And I'm not. And I would never also tell yeah. anyone where, where, when, and how to get their money. But I don't know that I would do that. <laughs> yeah. So basically, what? So then, what, what is the dollar amount that you would assign just going to Ohio State's worth? Not money. Not. I mean, not in cash. But like getting an Ohio State offer from a developmental standpoint and the conversion rate. Because you're of still going to turn- get nil money too. <laughs> you may not get as much depending on what position you play. Like, Jackson Smith and Jigba and I think, like, C.J. Stroud are, like, models for the limited now, so, like, I'm sure they're making a ton of money. Um, But, like, I don't know. The starting linebacker who's not a household name, like, isn't getting those opportunities, but he's still getting something. So, it's like you get that. You get developed to play play in the NFL in theory for multiple years. You get the league pension. If you're lucky, you get your second contract. Like, Like, all of that is way more valuable to me than, like, I don't know half a million dollars on the front end so ohio state offer to just be in their program as a five-star prospect to you is probably carries carries a monetary value of a half a million bucks yeah i would probably think of it that way yeah yeah I'm and very, not just a, like ohio state it's a very yeah. smart way to look at it and i think i agree with you i don't know how they look at it I mean, we're not in their shoes. We're, we're, yeah. we're spitballing hypotheticals. Like, if I'm 18 and someone puts a duffel bag with $400,000 on in front of me, I'll, pro- you know, I'll probably take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's, be, let's be honest. Yeah, your about finger it. would bleed from the zipper cutting yeah, it. I mean, yeah. I. I uh, it's hard. I get it. I do think that if I were a five star talent, that I would view my ability as something that's going to get to the league anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know. It's like you can take the NIL money, like the the Nico Ayamayalava, Naga Naga, am, not going to work here anymore. I, however you want to pronounce his I last am a, name, Ayamale, I am I I I am I'm not very good at this. <laughs> um, probably is going to take this eight mil if it's him, wink, 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 and 
probably still thinks, you know what, I'm going to get this 8 mil. I'm set for life now. You know, after taxes, he's probably going to clear $5.5 million, right? And still probably get drafted. Like, he... He's, yeah. Like the whole point of going to the NFL is to get rich. So if somebody's going to make you rich, then you are just speeding up that process. And you still get to play football. So, yeah, you know, well, but $8 million, dollars, I think... Developing you in a good NFL the, the question I wonder is, how common is the $8 million thing going to be? I think not not very common at all. I, I just, like, that's... I, I don't think They'll run out of money. I mean, like, I, I don't know. I mean, there are people... Crazy people with deep pockets who are passionate about college football. So, I don't think there's ever going to be a shortage of money to throw around. But I don't, I don't think uh, I don't think eight million dollars over four years is going to be something we see a whole lot of. I would go anywhere for eight million dollars over four years. That's a lot of money. Start investing a little bit. I'd go to Southwestern Louisiana State University. What is that? SLSU, South Louisiana State University. Is that a school? It's the one from Waterboy. SCLSU Muddogs. SC. What is it? South Central Louisiana State. SCLSU. I mean, they played in the Bourbon Bowl. I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, SCLSU. South. What is that? that <laughs> South Central Louisiana State University yeah. Muddogs. Yeah. Um, okay. What else? I don't know. That were, that took a turn. <laughs> I thought that was a good conversation. Yeah, hopefully it wasn't gibberish. Um, How is that gibberish? We're, no, no, we're I'm just, saying me, hopefully it wasn't. I'm saying you know, me and you, uh, we're back together. We got yeah. we got fired up a little bit. But, yeah. I mean, I do encourage everybody to read that story because I do think that being educated and understanding of what your favorite team is doing from a financial standpoint, regardless of how you feel about it, is an important aspect and tenant of being a fan now. Yeah, and I, I also – I think it makes – I don't think Ohio State wants to be in the business of of filling its roster with players who are making decisions strictly based on NIL opportunities. I don't think any team should want to do that because that just feels like a powder keg um, that's going to make your roster explode at some point. Um, but they're not ignoring it. Like I don't, I don't. I think they were behind. They're catching up. I th- I think they're more or less in a good spot. But certainly, as long as we're in this world where you can basically do whatever the hell you want in NIL, they're going to lose guys and it's going to be frustrating. Um, I'm not so sure it's a thing that's going to like change the trajectory of, of the program. Check back in December. Yeah, but feel free to throw that back in my face in December, I guess. Um, let's catch up on some transfer stuff. Um, because the deadline for that, for guys to put their name in the portal, uh, just passed the other day. It was, it was May 1st. There's like some guys are trickling after that, depending on how fast stuff gets processed. But, but I think more or less right now, Ohio State's roster is set. Um, and there wasn't... Not to be, um, I don't know, I guess like mean about it. I don't think there was much in the way of like impact uh, departures for Ohio State. Um, Marcus Hooker, Andre Tarantine, Jacoby Cowan, Legend Cavazos, Bryson Shaw are all guys that have kind of gone in um, kind of since spring. I don't know if any of those guys are guys we expected to play all that much. Um, they brought one guy in, Parker Lewis, a kicker from USC which is a little weird in the world where Ohio State has two kickers on its roster already, but I think that's more of a long-term play because Parker Lewis has three years of eligibility left. Um, Noah Ruggles, who had like a very weird situation in the spring where he wasn't around, but I'm still expecting him to be – he was actually at the spring game. Um, so he was back in Columbus. So, But he only, only has one year left. So I think Parker Lewis is like more of a kicker of the future. Maybe we'll do something this year. Uh, who knows? Like, it's not- Parker Lewis does sound like the Alabama kicker. 
Parker Lewis sounds like the album quarterback from, yeah. like, from like 2009. Yeah. Remember that show? What was that show? Two a days on MTV? Yeah. The uh, Hoover High School. The Hoover, yeah. High, Hoover High School Bucks. Yeah. There was definitely. You know what Parker Lewis yeah, looks like. Parker, yeah. Lewis, <laughs> Parker Lewis has Bama bangs for sure. Um, but with all they lost and then bringing in Parker Lewis, like I have them back at 85 again. So there's like, I thought maybe they would lose enough guys to have a little bit of wiggle room, like maybe bring in like a cornerback or a tight end or a tackle. They don't really have that. Um, it's not to say that they won't do it because I guess players could still leave and petition or like we see guys leaving camp sometimes too. Um, but I'm kind of operating under, under the assumption right now that like the roster as we know it is kind of going to be the roster for the 2022 season, which is to say the only transfer additions of like major impact are Tanner McAllister and Chip Train on which happened a while ago. Um, and to this point, like no one – no one major has left the program either, which I guess is probably the place you want to be in, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And if they're at their number, that, that makes you feel good. So you know, I thought it was possible they would lose like a dozen guys, just because of the way the roster shapes up, how much coaching turnover there's been. There are a few players that didn't leave that you're surprised didn't. I thought there would have been more movement. Yeah, yeah. and not necessarily like movement of impact guys, just like. More maybe depth like guys. depth, depth yeah. offensive and defensive line guys. They still have a lot of safeties. Even though they lost Marcus Hooker, Andre Turrentine, and Brayson Shaw, they still have probably too many safeties. Um, so less movement than I thought, but in the end, that's probably a, a good thing. I don't know. Yeah. We talk a lot about depth, and like I think we talk about it too much. It's like you carry 85 guys. I don't, know if, I don't think you need 85. Um, but, guys, there wasn't anybody I think we were projecting to be on the too deep who left. So, they're a good spot. Go Bucks. Okay. Go Bucks. Um, I don't think we need to recap the NFL draft. How long have we have been going here? Yeah, we don't. Ohio State had six players drafted. We, the fewest since 2015. Fewest since 2015. Um, I have a story running later this week on like looking ahead to the 2023 draft. I think it gets closer to double digits. Um, they've averaged nine picks per year since 2016, which is pretty absurd. Um, this was just like a lower group, and part of that is like Haskell Garrett didn't get drafted, which is kind of surprising. Um, but it was never going to be more than like six or seven guys anyway. I don't like Master Teague didn't get drafted. I don't think anybody expected that to happen. Um, I mean, are you going to take a moment to talk about anybody who signed a uh, deal to go to a camp, or are you just going to breeze over that? Demario McCall, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, I've been on vacation for a week, so, like, I'll be, like I, I missed that. And people were like, Demario signed with us. Was it the Bears? I don't yeah. even know. Or Master Teague was the Bears. I mean, I don't even know where Demario went. That maybe makes me sound like I'm bad at my job. But I've been on vacation. I was looking at the Grand Canyon. It was mesmerizing. It was the only thing that could take my attention away from Demario McCall is, is one of the wonders of the world, the Grand Canyon. Um, so, yeah, good for Demario. What did you do at the Grand Canyon? Did you hike or did you just look at it? No, we, like, uh, we paid for, like, a, a bus, a van trip. It was us. My wife and I and eight other people who we didn't know um, in a van from Flagstaff up to the Grand Canyon, which is like 90 minutes, and then like drove around different viewpoints in the Grand Canyon. We did not we did not hike like down into the Grand Canyon. I'm not built yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, and that's like a thing. It's like the guy, the, our tour guy basically said like, if you're going to hike down to the Grand Canyon, like plan on staying there for a night and then hike back the next day. They don't, they don't recommend like hiking down and hiking back in the same day um, unless you're like a triathlete or something like that. Um, so I think I hiked down into it for 31 minutes and then went back up. Yeah. So we didn't do that. We just kind of stood on the edge in different spots and like, I I had never been there before. It was incredible. Um, I want to go back like already. I thought it was so cool. Did you like Sedona? 
like Sedona. Sedona is very cool. Um, we didn't. We just kind of like drove through it. But the road from Flagstaff to Sedona through was it Oak, Oak Creek Canyon? I think it's called. Uh, probably the second most beautiful drive I've done behind driving um, like through Big Sur in California. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, I was doing that while guys were getting drafted. So I wasn't as plugged into the NFL draft as I normally am. No, I am. I was very unplugged from the NFL draft. But you normally are. No, I love the yeah. NFL draft. I, watched, I don't watch the second day like a loser, but like I, I, I typically, I typically <laughs> watch all of it. Um, I did end up watching most of the first round, um, and it was very cool to see Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jamison Williams go back to back to back. I was not expecting going into the day. Like, a part of me felt like like Chris Olave might get drafted ahead of Garrett Wilson, and then it turned out like he went one spot behind Garrett Wilson. After all the talk about like the gap between them and who might go first, and whether or not Garrett Wilson was viewed as like significantly better pro prospect than Chris Olave. They went back-to-back. So I thought that was cool. And then Jameson going right after them. Um, was hoping the Birds might get one of them. But alas, that did not happen. They got A.J. Brown, though. So yeah, that worked out. I think that worked out well for everybody. Um, but, yeah, 2023 draft. They might have the number one guy in the draft. Jack Smith and Jig was a first-rounder. Paris Johnson might be. I don't know. But I, I have like I'm, I wrote a story that's going to go up later this week with, with some more thoughts on that if you're interested in looking ahead to the 2023 NFL draft. All right. Before we wrap up, Ari, I have one question for you. What's that? Did you invite Bryce Young to your wedding? That is so funny. So we did the first look. Our cameraman was 15 minutes late, and my beautiful bride had a minor meltdown 10 minutes before we got married because she wanted the perfect uh, first look. So we did those with iPhones with a few of her friends. Then I turned around, and then I was like, oh, shit, there's Dollaby. And I saw Dollaby. Dollaby came over, gave me a big hug. Uh, hugged uh, Dollaby's beautiful wife, and then all of a sudden, I'm looking off into the distance. And I looked at Bill, and I was like, is that fucking Bryce Young right there? And I was like, I was kind of joking, because I didn't know. It looked just like him. It, like, it, it, looked, it looked enough like him that I was like, I, I think so, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, so then I went upstairs and ended up getting married, and then Bill saw him walking around with an Alabama backpack. So After the cocktail hour, I had put down a couple of uh, tequila and club soda and lime, so maybe at my uh, maybe my judgment wasn't the best, I don't know. But I saw the same young man who looked exactly like Bryce Young walk by us again with a, with a, a team-licensed Nike Alabama backpack on. I'm like 95% sure that it was I him. think it was Bryce Young, yeah, and impeccable choice. Uh, for a vacation because he was there with a young lady. So I don't know if they were just, you know, he's from Southern California. It's not that big of a stretch to think that he would be down there. Yeah, it was in Laguna Beach. Yeah, yeah not too far from where, where he went. To, he was a modern day guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's not It's not strange at all that he would have been there. It's a time of year where, like, guys are going back home. I just saw, like, Kyle McCord's, like, back in New Jersey throwing with, he trains with, like, Phil Sims. Um, so, like, these guys are back home doing stuff now. So it wasn't, it makes sense that he would be in California at that time of year. But, yeah. I, th- I found it very fitting that uh, five-star quarterback Bryce Young was at the wedding of the man whose life philosophy revolves around five-star prospects. Yeah, and uh, if uh, he was a four-star prospect, that would have been a bad omen for my my, <laughs> my future uh, my future life. But uh, beautiful wedding. Was so happy to have you there. Um, very uh, very happy with the way things went. Um, and now we can move on. Without having to worry about things like, did you call the lighting people, and is the cake going to come on time, and yeah. where's the photographer whose name was Sammy, um, uh, all that stuff. That so, guy got a great shot of me, by the way. He did. Yeah, you yeah. want it? You want me to he point it right at me? He said, "You guys want to post your picture?" I said, "Absolutely." And he got a, yeah, he got a nice one of us. Yeah. yeah, he's not from here. I don't know where he's from, but I liked his accent. Oh, I didn't. He just like, kind of pointed and smiled, uh, and I knew what that meant. Yeah. 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 
was yeah. nice though. Yeah, Landis was the star of the show. Let's be That's honest. Right. Everybody, right. everybody there was like, "Who's this guy? I love this guy." Yeah, which I think happened. Oh, I also wanted to say one thing on the podcast before, um, you know, and how I know we're we're really good friends. But at the welcome party, mm. uh, before the welcome party started, we were in the elevator, and some drunk asshole comes into the <laughs> elevator and starts like looking at Bill, going like, "Wow, you're tall." And like saying all this stuff, and like I was getting angry, and it had nothing to do with me. And like, is that what happens all the time in your life, where just people just like make comments about your height all the time? I get and like stupid ass, like you play basketball. Like, do people say that? Is it like every day? The two the two questions I think I get asked the most by strangers are, "How tall are you?" Because I'm six six, I'm a big guy, but it's not that just I'm tall. Like I'm a large human being. I'm the size of like an NFL offensive lineman, actually bigger than some of them because they're in shape. I'm not. so I get asked, yeah, I get asked, how tall are you? And then I get asked, where'd you play football? Which, like, how tall are you? I have a great answer to. And where'd you play football? I have a terrible answer to because the answer is I played high school football for, like, one year. So uh, that's less interesting. But, uh, you know, sometimes, I'll, some, mix, sometimes I'll mix it up and I'll lie. Like, I, oh, yeah, thought I, played that, at East I thought that he was getting moderately aggressive with you. And I wonder if there is an aggressive tone. You told me about this. And I was some, the first time I saw it in action. But some people feel like they are cool when they pick on the big man. Sometimes... Uh, I, yeah, I, I pick up on that vibe from uh, from short dudes, like not average height dudes, like short, like short, like under like five eight dudes, um, which is fine. You're as tall as you, are, whatever. Be who you are. It's great. I don't, I don't think anything of you if you're if you're on the shorter side, but uh, there's a specific type, like uh, under five eight, wears like super tight t-shirts, probably says like tap out across the front. Uh, who ask me about how big I am in a way that makes me feel like they're trying to size me up because they want to fight me. And it's never actually gotten to that point, but sometimes I feel like it's about to happen. <laughs> I was like about to say, have you never seen a tall person before? Will you shut the fuck up? And it was like five minutes before I was like welcoming all of our friends and family into the thing. Like it's like I was getting frustrated. So want to let you know that I'll be your bodyguard. Yeah, I felt, I felt, I felt. You were there, and my wife was there in the elevator. So if anyone wanted to start shit with me, I knew yeah. people that were there to take care of. There me. There would have been nothing better than just getting into an elevator scrap at uh, Lido House in, in Newport <laughs> Beach five minutes before we celebrated my pending nuptials. But uh, it was a great time, and again, I appreciate you and everybody uh, for the kind words on Twitter and my family and friends who came. And I feel like that was the best day of my life, and uh, um, super happy to be in Phoenix right now and doing this podcast with you and seeing you and. All this stuff. So hopefully the sound quality on this thing held up. Um, thank you for the the uh, the intricate NIL discussion. But I think we had a pretty good show when relatively not that much is happening right now in the world of Ohio State. Yeah, considering we decided like uh, I don't know what an hour before we started recording that we were going to do a show because we had we had initially planned to do one and then I forgot all my stuff and then we like kind of rake something together here to try to make it work. Dude, you so. went to the Grand Canyon. You got a pack light. I did. That's right. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like trudging my podcast equipment from. Uh, Columbus to Phoenix to New Mexico to the Grand Canyon to California back to Phoenix. So um, forgive me for that, but hopefully this ended okay. Hopefully that was a coherent episode, and we'll be back, uh, I guess, next week. You don't have, you have a honeymoon coming up or anything like that? No, no, we'll be back next week. Okay, I think we'll plan to be back next week uh, in our normal Zoom setup uh, and with a more uh, probably <laughs> maybe planned out conversation. It was a little less wandering um, than, than this one. But it was good to, to be here with you in person, Ari. You said that getting married was the best day of your life. This is the best day of my life. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, boy. I'm happy we can be okay. together. Goosebumps. Doing, doing four to six with A and B in, in person. It just feels right. Our knees just, just touched. It was great. Uh, All right, guys. I think that's enough's enough. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>